I've been sacrificing my health, you know? So I'm at a low point in my health right now. But by then, you know, when the tides turn, I've got all the capital and it's all working for me. You're gonna be shredded. Be you shredded like Mikey Tyson, <laughs> dumping out maybe <laughs> holidays on YouTube. <laughs> Dopping out, boy. That's what we're pivoting to. Yes. If Dylan pivots to YouTube boxer, oh, yes. that's actually what I need in my life. That would be hilarious. So, three, two, one. And we're live, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 18? 19. 19. Wow. We've made it this far, son. <laughs> We've made it this far. Jeez, trying to keep it going. Jeez, keep going, going. Keep going. <laughs> so as you can see, um, I'm doing the intro today. Uh, decided to, I'd swap with Samir. And yeah, let's get started. Let's go, boys. <laughs> let's go, boys. So what we've got today is we're doing part two of the quotes. So if you haven't seen part one, make sure you go back and you check it out because otherwise it's not really going to make any sense. Um, but also, it's probably a good reminder to understand that with this course, I mean, with this podcast, it is a course. So, you know, it all goes uh, step by step. So what we're trying to do is, you know, most people, they're trying to teach you like the letter F or G or whatever it happens to be. Uh, we want to start at A, get it in, B, then move step by step. And then that's how you can build that proper foundation out and you can actually truly absorb all of this knowledge. So, yeah, it's another reminder. You might have like came over and, it's you know, when we go and watch podcasts, we always want to watch like the most recent one. But ours is different. It's always more important to go to the very beginning and go step by step. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're not going to get value out of each single podcast, but you'll get the most, mm. and you'll have it'll make the most impact on you if you go back to the beginning and watch it. Yeah, from the start. Yeah. Shall we get started with the quotes, boys? Let's go, boys. First one in part two is: I find the harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. I can, this is a ripper one because like everybody, they talk about, you know, all successful people, they're only lucky and all of that. And sometimes that can play on your mind and you start to think, oh, what is the point of hard work? But I think like I, I really like Naval's approach to understanding luck. And one of them is like you, you really just want to work so hard because then you actually will attract luck. Mm. You know, you will attract the luck. Like maybe a good example is say someone like The Rock, you know, the actor The Rock. You can see... He's not the greatest actor in the world, but like, what are some of his attributes? He's always working really hard. He works hard then not only on acting, but also on social media. So he's probably the best at social media compared to any of the other actors. So he's outpacing them there. Then in terms of his physical body, you know, his physical body plays that part. So now he's doing, he's not the best actor, but in terms of the other two, he probably is the best. Yeah, absolutely. So he's, you know, he's the biggest and he does social media the best. And now what does that relate to? Relate to. It relates to him getting the most deals done. Absolutely. So now he's in all the movies, even yeah. though he's not the best actor. People always want that opportunity to do something, right? Opportunity mm. to become successful. But well, what do we say? The opportunity is created yeah. through mm. hard work yeah. or through working hard yeah. thinking smart. So yeah, you've got, just got to constantly build yourself up. And then the other, uh, what's the other quote like? Uh, you know, it's it's about uh, success is about when you have built built yourself up, and then an opportunity comes. If someone, if you're not built, you know, well, like a lot of people, they say like some of the Bitcoin guys got lucky and stuff like that. Well, 
did you have the foundations to be able to see it coming? Yeah, absolutely. You know, things like this. I bet you there's so many things that are more profitable than Bitcoin happening today, but we don't have the foundation built to see the opportunity. We are missing bigger uh, opportunities than Bitcoin every single day around us because of this reason, you know? And you can argue the law of large numbers where you have such an amount of people in the world, billions and billions of people. Some are obviously going to get lucky, you know, and, and be in the right place at the right time and, and, and be bought Bitcoin. You know, they might have known like a computer scientist or something that was dabbling in the space and he could explain it really simply in great terms. That's lucky because he has that teaching skill as well. Um, but then it's going to be pretty damn hard to hold through, especially in the case of Bitcoin, like three or four massive bear markets where the thing crashes by about 90%. And not only does it go down 90%, it's a one-year crash. Mm. So, But in terms of the, the law of large numbers, there will be some people that just luckily went through that whole thing. I bet you there's people that um, they bought Bitcoin in the early days based on luck. They wrote it all up in like 2017 when it first went to $20,000. Then they wanted to sell but then they forgot their like actual keys, right? And then it went all the way down. Or maybe they want to buy more at the top. And then when it went down, they wanted to sell, but they had lost their keys to be able to sell. And I bet you they got lucky on the other side when it was back at $60,000 and then they found their keys again. I bet you there's a few of them just because of the law of large numbers. 100%. Yeah. You know? But it's not repeatable, right? Yeah. Like there's no one, no way to consistently, you know, luckily lose your keys in a bear market and, then find your keys in a bullmark. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's no repeatable consistency there. Mm. So I think this quote also comes back to like people always say, like once you become successful, people always think it's overnight success. Mm. But yeah. they don't really see that the years of work that you've put in before. Mm. Um and it's just like, hey, when is the right time to um plant a tree? And it was like twenty years ago. Oh yeah. Mm. yeah. Another example as well is like everybody's saying like all the people that invested in like Amazon and all of the big tech companies, they got so lucky. Very few people as well with Amazon was able to hold the whole entire way. You know, Amazon practically did nothing for 10 years, like the price of Amazon. And then it, you know, it started to skyrocket up. But very few investors were in the, in the trade. And now what, relating back to the quote in terms of luck, some people are saying now that, hey, the, the technology trade is overcrowded, crypto is overcrowded, everything's overcrowded because everyone has focused on code and understanding code. That potentially the next big thing could be like healthcare and understanding science and biology and all of this. And now not many people are set up with that foundation of knowledge. So they might n miss the next big trend. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, well, if that's the case, damn, we've got work to do, boys. You know, because I am a scientist. <laughs> yeah, they call me the doctor, but it's a little bit of a flawed name, boys. I would never let you operate on me, Doc. No offense. You know, <laughs> um, you say you're kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Why? <laughs> That's the most sane thing ever said. I don't know. I'm not a bloody surgeon. <laughs> this guy's, nah, I love you enough. You can operate on me. What the hell? All right. I let you administer the needle. The shot. I'll watch that many videos. <laughs> I could probably actually do it. So, anyway, moving on. Um, anyone got any final points on that quote? No, just want to build yeah. yourself up so yeah. you start attracting luck. Yeah. 
again, um, the this is part two of part one of quotes, meaning if you didn't hear it in the last one, each single, every single quote is in order for a specific reason to trick or train your mind to be- think a certain way. So, um, yeah, make sure you, if you're going to use these specific quotes, have them in this oh. specific order. Oh. All right, second one. To know that you know and to know that you don't know, that is real wisdom. And this is by uh, Confucius, who is a Chinese philosopher. Yeah, so this is a really interesting one because, you know, when we're always talking about the Olivia's and the Uncle Toby's and the Augustus's, yeah. um, this is what they miss. They they miss the understanding that they don't know some things. That, 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 that is the real wisdom. Like, it's so hard to finally build up all of your knowledge. That means you'd go through, like, the entire dip you know, this, the Seth Godin dip, you're every single day, you're acquiring new knowledge and you feel all great about yourself because every single day you're leveling up, you feel like you're getting to the end of it and then you realize, oh damn, I'm practically at the beginning because the knowledge in this field just never ends. And then you realize where you actually are, you're not on top of the mountain, you're stuck in the valley and then it's going to be so hard for you to get out of the valley. So you're going to have to experience that to have uh, true wisdom you're going to have to know where you actually lie in terms of the hierarchy, the knowledge hierarchy, or, um, you know, like the actual marketplace of society. You've got to actually know where you are and you've got to be able to have that self-awareness and see like, oh shit, I actually have flaws here. I can see my own flaws and I'm not that smart when it comes to this one thing. So that, 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 that is true wisdom. It's really hard to get to that stage. This is probably one of the best quotes. Oh, Fent, that's amazing. Yeah. Dude, the ego hit when you first realize. Mm. Woo! That takes <laughs> a toll, you. boys. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll hit you down a few yeah. steps. Oh. You think you're on a little pedestal? Yeah. Oh, that'll <laughs> knock you down a lot. Like ha- having that audacity to think that you know everything when mm. the universe is so big and it's mm. like you're just like one human being. Mm. How can you know everything? Yeah. yeah. So like the fact that you think you know everything is the reason why you're going to go through the dip. Mm. This is maybe a good example is touchy subject, but with like COVID, all of a sudden everyone's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> you think you know how this stuff works? Like even the scientists admit they don't know everything, you know, because you have to be yeah. so specialized. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's tough. Like if, if you see someone and they're acting like they know everything about politics, science, investing, there's always that guy at the, f- the Christmas table saying, like, you're going to invest in this thing, this Australian mining company. They're going to find all the gold and all this stuff. He's like in trader of the year. Yeah. He picked a shit coin and got a thousand percent. Good on you. That's your the worst, man. All right. So, and uh, with that example specifically, sometimes people are proven correct. So they, and a bad thing for people is to being proven correct early and a lot yeah, because with money, yeah. it just, it with money specifically. And you know, if they, base a decision off a certain amount of knowledge is like they're getting confirmation bias on that thing. Mm. So it's like they continue to think they're doing the right thing, the right thing, the right thing. And it's majority of luck that's in work, that it's in mm. working at all. So that people just continue to do that thing. And then we see, I don't know how many freaking accounts of people just blowing up everything that they've worked <laughs> for, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. I feel like this ties in with the, um, one of the quotes from last week which is uh, if you can't explain it simply you don't understand it well enough yeah, yeah for sure 
they go I feel like yeah, yeah. Sure. cuz when you when you recognize that you can't explain something you're like fuck maybe i don't know it mm. <laughs> at <Yeah>. all <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah it's, it's especially like saying like with with doc doc's point about the money like especially like when the investment world's in like a bull market so bull market just means like everything is rising it's in an upwards trend and the saying in the stock market is a rising tide will lift all the boats so the tide is the trend and the boats are the companies and when the trend is up even the shittest companies they're probably going to go up as well some will go down but most of them would actually go up and same as what happens with crypto right now crypto is in a bull market you know on a medium and long-term trend so you know bitcoin and ethereum leading the charge then all the shit coins are going to go with it so what's happening in terms of that money example people are buying one of these coins it goes up so they feel like they're correct then they buy more you know it goes up again they get rewarded for that action they buy more it goes up again they buy more and they keep on doing this you know and they might win 10 times in a row but they don't know it's just a rising tide once the tide goes back out yeah. boys your average price is that high that you bought in at and you completely get wiped out mm. and it, it, it doesn't yeah. go out nice and slowly the tide <laughs> is just like straight nuke <laughs> <laughs> it's like a blowhole yeah. it just boom you're done <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, that's, and that's really tough like because you can feel like a genius in the moment mm. you know? and, and it's very yeah. hard like as an investor you're actually always asking yourself how am I wrong how am I wrong yeah. how am I wrong where am I wrong and you want to find the opposing view you know you don't want to find people that just say the exact same stuff as you you know, to double down on your bias that you have, you always got to say, you know, find the opposing view. How am I wrong? The minute you start thinking that you're always winning and you can't lose because you've got the perfect strategy, there's no way to ever lose. There's a big loss coming around the corner, boys. There's <laughs> <laughs> something big coming to get you. Right. That's just how she works, boys. I think it's really interesting to like view the sentiment, um, especially around crypto right now. Um, and, I feel like Twitter is one of those platforms where it's a really good source of um, gauging people's emotions mm-hmm. um, because yeah. pe- it's unfiltered, right? So you can just put whatever you want and then um, in like 140 characters and then it's up there. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like your actual feelings, but in words. Yeah. Um, and then someone put up this really good meme about, um, so right now, Bitcoin is at 46,000 US dollars, right? And it is December right now. And someone's like, hey, a couple of months before, the reaction of the people when it, Bitcoin hit 46,000 was like, oh, everyone, everyone's like, oh, I'm, everyone's cheering and happy. I'm mm. a genius, you know, $46,000. And then a couple of months later, when it's back to $46,000, everyone's all depressed and <laughs> yeah. sad and worried and shit. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy how people can just switch. And that's that tide mm. that you're talking about. Yeah. Another example is NFTs at the moment, right? Mm. They're going mental, are they not? They're losing mm. their damn minds. <laughs> <laughs> They're going crazy. Price of everything is insane. And the reality is that when Bitcoin goes oh, and you know the top coins then decide to go into a bear market, mm. whenever that may be, in a long-term bear market for that one to two years, 90% of these NFTs give or take 99% most likely will no longer exist yeah i'll get hit hard get hit real hard so 
and it, and people always say like, oh, but I think Bitcoin's really big now. I think Ethereum's really big. These big major coins, I don't think they can correct hard like in the past. And it's like, man, look at this chart of like Netflix. Mm. You know, just a few years ago, it's still correcting 50, 60%. Like it's nothing. Netflix does something. <laughs> it's a big company. <laughs> yeah. You know, even Apple always corrects by like 40%. Yeah. The best company in the world can still correct 40%. Come on, you know. I don't think Bitcoin can correct more than 40%. Bitcoin's been around for 10 years, man. That's sweet. I mean, yeah. whatever it is, 12 years. Yeah. It's, it's an age-old company. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Anyone got some closing points on that one? Are we good? Got any sons? I reckon on that point, maybe just read The Dip Yeah, by Seth Godin. Yeah, absolutely. The Dip's a good one. Yeah. Nice short book. It's about an hour and a half, two hours long. Yeah. A little easy one. He, he is, by the way, just to give him a little wrap, he's a man who can articulate a point in at least amount of words possible. Mm. Uh, he he didn't just, he's big on like getting rid of the fluff in his books and the fluff yeah. in his articles. He writes a blog like every day as well. Mm. He's fantastic at writing books and it, and it makes it very, very easy to read and actually kind of understand what it is he's talking about. Mm. So yeah. props to Seth Godin. Yeah. All right. Let's go, Seth. Speaking about books, you can't open a book without learning anything. I chucked this one on just because like I found at one stage like I was just getting sick of books and it's kind of like the gym thing where like sometimes you can't be bothered going to the gym but then once you're there you like it and you feel good about yourself after same with the books now sometimes you just can't be bothered opening up that book but then when you do it every single time it's a good it's a good use of time mm. like every single time you learn something and you add to that pillar of knowledge that we've been talking about in the part one so books, they're a great use of time. Just to touch on maybe you being like, oh, I can't bother reading books and stuff like that. Like you've read how many hundreds of books? Yeah, more than a couple, 200. Exactly. Yeah. So the, I think it's a different feeling from like if you haven't read a book yet. Yeah. It's a completely different emotion. Yeah. But like so, those, those 200 books for you, they're like the, the best books, right? Yeah. So try to find the best. Yeah. Like even like Naval says, he doesn't read every book. He mm. just likes to read the best hundred books over and over again. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's probably the, the feeling that you had, right? Yeah. Whenever you try to attempt a new book mm. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep re rereading the greats. Yeah. That's what it's about. But you have to go through and read hundreds of books first to be able to understand what is a great book and what is not a great book. That's the tough part. I think it's good to also go over like what, let's define what a book is, right? A book is like stored time and experience in like a few hundred pages, right? Because you're pretty much consuming someone's work over the course of 10, 20 years, um, what they've experienced in their whole life over that time, time period um, on a specific topic. Mm. So it's like, it's, you're getting like a very refined, condensed piece of information in a couple hours. That is really valuable. You're saving 20 years of time Plus, you don't have to experience what they've experienced. Mm. Plus, you don't have to spend the money that they've spent experiencing those experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so, in my trading absolutely. career, there's been so many times where I'm like, you know, I get hit hard by the market. Like, in the early days, I'm like, damn, this thing really, you know, took me by surprise. Couldn't see this coming. And then, like, five months later, I would read a book and it solves that one issue. Mm. And I was like, damn, if I'd read that book first, then I'd lost so much money. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's the hard thing when that, 
that knowledge specifically relates to a mistake, especially dealing with finance and money yeah. in general. Because like that can be the lifestyle you're living, the life, your future, or in hardcore's case of you know we got a goal of donating one billion dollars, that could be the difference. You know, making sure we know all that knowledge and try and not make those mistakes. That can actually lead to a life or two or three or four. So it's yeah, a really important point. I yeah, like- just like on that one billion dollar goal that we have, we want to implement effective altruism, right? Because we don't have any experience with effective altruism, we can actually learn about it through books, mm-hmm. um, learn about people's experiences of effective altruism and really figure out what is the best way based on their experience. So that way we can actually save more money mm-hmm. and be more efficient with that billion dollars. Yeah, That's what books do. Yeah. And in terms of like the, the knowledge podcast that we did before where we say, hey, you want to really pump out like 100 books pretty quick. It's because of like that example where say I was losing money because I didn't have that knowledge in there. So that's why you need to get the knowledge in really quick. So then you can compound that knowledge for a very long amount of time. And yeah. You don't get hit by the world. Because if you don't have knowledge, the world will smack you in your face. That's a really nice point. Because if, even me, like um, I haven't been through that experiences of like, you know the hard the hard experiences mm. so when i read a book i'm like why the fuck am i reading this like it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah. but then it will click to me like mm. down the line yeah. like fuck i learned this from that book i can i can apply it now yeah you can also vi- vicariously or back test yeah <clears throat> so when you're looking at <clears throat> excuse me when you're looking at points or something i'll draw down and shit like that you're like oh that relates to that yeah that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and that's a good way yeah i'm currently reading um, because like now me and doc we're both um, full-time investors um, so like now we're experiencing what it's like to not have revenue coming in from our jobs and figuring out the emotions required to be a profitable trader during tough times so because of that i already read this book by peter brandt which he's like one of the best traders um, of our generation and he's he has this book where he documents over a 21 week period mm. of his emotions of trading through the 2009 global financial crisis so just i've read this book before quitting my job but it actually hits more now that i'm experiencing it so mm. it actually makes a lot more sense after rereading it so it's like you can actually f- feel mm. like the the value for real like when you actually experience it as well yeah it's like the, yeah it's like that's what books can do Something to relate to, right? Yeah, something to relate to. I just like his approach as well in the book where it's like he's taking more of like a negative approach. He's never like exaggerating stuff like yeah. other trading and finance books. They're always exaggerating the success and what you can get. He's showing the real stuff. But that, that's a good point. Like when you have that, ex- when you have an increased level of experience, increased level of knowledge, a book can mean something completely different. Yeah. And that relates back to that quote, to know that you know and to know that you don't know. <laughs> that is real wisdom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? It's so easy to say, oh, I've already read that book. But do you know that book? Do you know what it's actually about? And I find that changes over time as well. What it is you know about the book changes yeah, because exactly. your foundation increases or your level of knowledge or your capacity to think, capacity to consume knowledge changes over time. So uh, the amount that you understand about the book continues to change. Yeah. Yeah. And like even with the 100 books or like the 200 books that you've read um, and they're like the really good books and you've read them many, many times, 
I'm sure that every time you reread those books, you learn something new. Oh yeah. Even after like all like ten years of experience within you know personal development on your journey, you will still learn something new because yeah. you experience something new. And yeah, and and sometimes it's maybe not even about learning something new. It is, but sometimes, like we said at the beginning of part one, it's about realigning your brain because mm. you're like, oh shit, I'm forgetting. I I know this. I'm just not using it. How come I'm not using this basic <laughs> shit? You yeah. know, and then there's other times where you learn something new. It's like, how come I didn't see that too? Yeah. Um, but as another example, I've, we've, we always recommend the first book to start reading is Rich Dad Poor Dad because it really will open up your eyes. Um, unless you're you're coming from a wealthy family, they would have taught you this stuff a long time ago. Um, but some people they come and and they say, you know, like, oh, I didn't learn anything. But that's they're going into it with a bias thinking that books are bad. That's why we have this quote. You can't open a book without learning anything. Like you're, you're always going to learn something. Absolutely. So if you come in with a positive bias, you're actually going to learn more. You're going to see more. You're going to know more. Yeah. That's, we'll get into an ego podcast eventually. But mm. like one of the things is you have to get out of your own way to be able to yeah, listen yeah. and That's hear information one. and learn. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go, boys. Next one. Another by Confucius here. Um, when you are laboring for others, let it be with the same zeal as if it were for yourself. Yeah. So when you're working for other people, like a boss, which everyone has to at the beginning of their journey, work for that boss like you're working for yourself. Because this relates back to our, our high standards podcast. You really want to set that standard for yourself because you're actually getting data. You're getting data points on you as a person to know who you are. And then you start to build out like, oh, I'm up here. I'm a specimen. If I'm a specimen, then when I actually go out and make my own business or go out and invest and do something that's very difficult, you're going to handle it. We heard it all the time at Nando's. Like, oh, I don't want to work hard for the boss because I'm just making the boss richer. Dude, first of all, you're getting provided a job. You're getting making <laughs> money. The deal of the contract is you're supposed to do everything that you signed up for. How come you're complaining about it? And then they always say, oh, but I'm just going to work really hard once I have my own business. <laughs> you're not going to get promoted, which means you're not going to get any more knowledge in through experience. You're actually not going to know how hard it is to run a business, everything that goes into running a business, all the specific skill sets. People think it's like just working in the job. That's a niche down little role in a job. Like imagine in the Nando's business, how hard it actually is. You got to know people. So you got to know like psychology, you got to know real estate, if the building's the right, you got to know all, all about food, accounting, accounting, how much money is going in, how much is going out, <laughs> legal, like there's like so many different things. It's actually a very difficult task, you know, and you could, you could jump into it and, you know, uh, learn from experience, but man, when you're opening up a restaurant from experience, like with no experience and you want to get the experience from that business. Dude, you're investing so much capital. You can get wiped clean. Yeah. Like, it's really scary. Your burn rate just alone is you're going to run out in a few months, please. We'll go into more detail when we like start talking about finance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like that is a big risk mm -hmm. when you don't have that experience, that, yeah. those data points on who you actually are. Mm -hmm. If you are capable of that. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, like if you if you work like it's, your own business then it's your you're holding yourself accountable and you're actually um doing a bit of self-awareness here yeah are you capable 
Dude, the amount of times. Sorry, Jay, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, like, the last two quotes, it really, like, hits because if you just do those two things, like, you be you set yourself up so oh, much yeah. for life. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, read more and, and then, um, yeah, work for others as if, you, as if you work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What are you about to say, Doc? I was just going to say, like, being in um, two different types of environment, one being hospitality and then one being more corporate, one of the th- things that transfers over is always that kind of mindset from people. It's like, oh, I'll work hard in my own business. And it's, I, I like to f- try and find the comparables between different types of industries and stuff in people. And like, what's what thing that, or what's macro problems that we may face one day or that other people face always regardless of the business and that is one it's like trying to motivate a staff to realize that the value that they create for their boss means that they will be in turn created more value themselves mm-hmm. yeah it's very difficult mm. that relates to as again like to know that you know and to know that you don't know that is real wisdom mm-hmm. like they they don't know where they actually sit in the hierarchy of knowledge Absolutely. they think they know how the business runs yeah Mate, good luck. And then they'll complain about what the, the boss has said. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do that. The boss is wrong. Yeah. The odds are the boss is probably more correct than you because they've got more experience. They've got more specific knowledge. You probably yeah. just can't see what the boss is seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to have a crack at the boss. They're such an easy target. Everyone wants to take down the boss. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time, they're there for a reason, man. Like investors like on the board and all of this stuff have chosen these, these guys or girls for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's different levels to it all, mm. right? Sometimes you're going to get a boss who's just a walnut. Yeah. I've had it, mm. you know? and it's But it's like coming from a point of view is like, well, am not he's a walnut, she's a walnut, they're not wrong. It's like, what am I missing? Mm. Am I missing something? Again, same as the investor's point of view. is like, where are the mistakes in my thinking? It was like, are they doing this for a certain reason? Is there a point to what it is they're doing? So I would say a majority there is. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, but there's, what there's an outlier, sure. But the key, the key point there is when you're saying, "What am I missing?" It's to slow down and breathe. Yeah. Mm. What am I actually missing here? Because if you're fighting, you're like, "Oh, the boss is wrong," and all this shit. You can't do critical thinking yeah. when you're in that state of mind. Yeah. You know, when you're so worked up, you can't do it. Your emotions are then taking over. Once we know, we already know that once you're emotional, your IQ drops. Yeah, IQ drops. Can't make decisions. Exactly. I was pretty fortunate. Like when I was working at Jetstar, um, like my first role at Jetstar was really, uh, it was down that leadership manage managerial pathway. Um, and previously, I had like no experience. I had little experience dealing with people. Um, coming from like an engineering background, it was like very um, isolated. It's like you're working on your project by mm-hmm. yourself. Um, that's like how it was in, in uni as well. So like coming into this was really eye-opening for me and I was really, really lucky to have managers that actually developed me as a person. Um, and one really good thing that one of my managers told me was, think of yourself as an actual stock. Like he actually said this to me. Oh. Think of yourself as a stock. So Samia, the stock. How would people value you as a stock within this company? Wow, that's really good. Yeah. Mm, that's really smart. Yeah. So if you see yourself as a stock, you're pretty much like you're working as if it's, it is your business. How would they value you? Yeah. And that's how you have to work. 
I guarantee on the flip side, there's one or two people who worked under that guy who just hated him. It was like who disagreed with him all the time, didn't like the way he managed, et cetera, et cetera. Hate mm. capitalism and all this stuff. All this that crap. <laughs> Why are you working at a public company? <laughs> How do you think you get money, son? <laughs> How do um, you pay for your bills? Yeah. Another point that I had as well is in terms of working really hard for other people, I've found personally that if you want to go into go large mode and success mode, it's like an on and off button where you just got to leave it on. Like it's really hard to go into work, start your day by going into work, lazy as, and then, so you got to go large button off, then come home and like, I'm switching it on. I'm going large for myself. I'm going to pump out all these books and do all this work. Like she's not happening. <laughs> you just got to say it to yourself. I'm just a person that goes large and just do it the whole day. You can't be like switching in between. Yeah, 100%. that's so true because like back in like the 90s, like Mike Tyson, when he would knock people out in 30 seconds, <laughs> and people were always asking him, why are you so wild, man? It's like, dude, I prepared months and months and months to become a savage. Yeah. I knocked the guy out in 30 seconds. You think I can switch it off after 30 seconds? <laughs> I'm going to be a savage still. Yeah. It's the same shit. Yeah, it is. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Sure. All right. Thanks, my boys. Great offense and a poor defense translate into under-accumulation of wealth. This is by Thomas J. Stanley, who is the author of The Millionaire, the Millionaire Next Door, which yeah. is a book we've all read as well, which is great. Yeah. So everybody, like, in terms of getting rich, everybody's thinking about getting rich quick. They're thinking about the offense. How much money can I make? Where can I make money? How to make money? It's always about how to make money. It's never about how do I protect what I have. And it's, it's about a balance. You've got to have both because if you're always on the offense, eventually something's going to hit you. And it could be like, say, COVID in uh, 2020. When COVID hit the stock market in 2020 in March, everybody got really scared. Luckily, the Federal Reserve saved the whole entire thing by printing extreme amounts of money. Um, but in the moment, you can feel your flaws. Like, mm. you're like, oh, damn, like, do I actually know? Yeah, you get exposed. Everyone gets exposed. Yeah. So you, at the same time, like it, when, the, when it's a bull market and you're just thinking about having a great offense, you'll think, how am I wrong? How can I build my defense? What mm. am I missing out? What can, can I not see? Build that defense up. And that's the one thing, like people that have made become billionaires, they have thought about the defense. They actually haven't done anything really crazy. Like, you know, like big companies, they actually always hold a cash position, like no matter what. They always have a little bit of cash on the balance sheet, you know, because just in case there's something that they can't see coming, they want they want the whole company to survive. You know, how irresponsible would it be to be thinking only about making money, then all of a sudden Apple vanishes, you know? Like, well, that's a good example. Apple's the largest company in the world by market cap. It's going to be near on $3 trillion more, most likely this week, mm-hmm. um, or in the coming weeks. And they hold the most cash on the balance sheet than anyone else. Mm. What's, the, what's the number? Trillion? 200, uh, 200 billion? Yeah. yeah. Plus. Yeah. yeah. Like, jeez. Yeah. Well, if that's not enough. Yeah. Kind of like. They'll probably increase it too. Yeah, absolutely. Probably increase it at 300. But in terms sense. of like the, let's say, let's talk about like the everyday person, like the everyday investor, right? I really like our strategy when it comes to investing because, yeah, we really bet on the future, which is technology. Um, but we also think of it in terms of returns on investment. So yeah, these really big technology companies, they generate like 30% uh, 
compounded every single year. But again, like when COVID hit, everything went down, mm. right? So then again, just like Apple, we would hold you know, a cash position to, to defend ourselves against those type of events. But also like when everything is going up and things are looking normal, it's like we still invest in like the overall market mm. where it's like we're guaranteed 11% mm. at least. Yeah. And that way we're not like, we're not losing money on just holding cash. Yeah. So like we, we think of like all these different scenarios and we've come up with like a really nice strategy to, yeah. you know. Yeah. Generally speaking, we want to have really low cash amounts because yeah. historically speaking, cash just does nothing. It's a guaranteed loss for the long term. So we, we always hold very low amounts of cash, but for the audience, it doesn't mean, all right, go invest every dollar yeah. you have now in your own strategy because... They could, they could get wiped out. So yeah. we know what we know and we know what we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it's a time of uncertainty, that's when we enter into larger cash positions when we're scared. We actually don't know what's happening. You know, We try to be there to see it before it happens. I think as well with this point, people's idea of offense is very skewed lately due to like crypto and you know and everything going up by thousands of percents every other freaking day it's like the like, reality is not reality anymore yeah it's yeah. like they don't have to think about defense because everything goes up always yeah it's similar to our other point of like you don't know what you don't know yeah, you yeah think? it's like when your when your friend at work makes like you know 10k next week or this week and you're just like shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i missed out on the 10k yeah gee how many clients like we would talk all the time how many clients do we have that it takes us a bit to get them either away or they stay on that path of thinking that each like that our public portfolio of getting 20 percent a year is too slow it's too small how many clients have we had like, so many <laughs> it's like we just talk to them you know we get them this way get them this way get them this way help them understand more and more and more and then it's like oh no i'm going to invest everything in crypto <laughs> portfolio is too slow mm. so, bro yeah. it's double the standard my guy <laughs> yeah it's, it's the best you get safely mm. safely risk adjusted returns yeah exactly. risk adjusted long-term returns it's always long-term man people don't understand it's long-term always <laughs> and the other thing with crypto right now if you got and surveyed 100 people that are in crypto they're actually not in a profit the average you're going to be in a loss. Dude, I saw this one really, really stupid tweet. And it's like, when one week crypto goes down, it's all red. But then the next week it goes up, by, like everything is up by like 2%. Mm-hmm. I was like, mate, you're not even back to zero. <laughs> <laughs> you're still in a negative. <laughs> That's what it it's like the, it's kind of like the gambling thing, mm-hmm. right? Like at the pokies. When, when it's all green, you get like this dopamine hit, yeah. right? When it's all red, you become all fearful and depressed. Mm. Yeah. And that's what that's what's uh, driving the market. It's just emotions. Mm. When you bring your emotions into it, then you can't really prepare yourself to be defensive when you need to be defensive. I think maybe one, one, another good point on this specifically is how important it is to ensure that like you keep your first 10K. Yeah. Like people are always thinking like in such offensive mentality where it's like, we're going to make so much goddamn money and we're going to do this and take so much risk, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if you work, as we were saying in a previous podcast, to save up your first 10K and then you blow it on a decision because you're only thinking about how much money you're going to make and not the risk involved, that can mean another, depending on how much you say, how quickly you saved it, another six months of working to get that 10K back. Mm. 
six months of time wasted then that that's a you know probably longer. short yeah depending because you've got expenses <laughs> all that stuff short time over the whole your whole life yeah. but you know the results later in your life you know 50 60 years of age um the damage you've just done to your compound yeah it's ridiculous it's crazy yeah. it can be mi- many many millions of dollars mm. yeah if you can find a way to just compound your money at 20 percent for 50 years which is very tough it's very hard to do that so see all these crypto guys getting a thousand percent it's not sustainable it really isn't to get 20 percent is very very difficult but if you can do that ten thousand dollars for 50 years so just say you invested at age 20 at age 70, you would have 9.1. And is it 91? 91, 91 million. million. Yeah. yeah. $1,000 would be 9.1 million. 91 million. Oh, sorry. Oh, 1,000. Yeah. yeah. 1, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's all good enough to say like, oh, if I lose that first 10K and I invest it the next year or something like that. But the reality of the way we think is if you don't have those extra million dollars, that's lives lost. Literally. Like there are people in third world countries who are struggling so much that... Well, what it wouldn't, I don't know what the number is because it's compounding and whatever, but it would be, let's say it's 10 mil less than 91 mil because it could be pretty close to that, to be yeah. fair. That's, you know, in Dylan's origin story where he talks about his why, you know, a life costs $1,000. How many lives is $10 million? Yeah, a lot. A lot of lives. <laughs> and, yeah. um, that's the reality of the way we think. Yeah. So. Yeah, people are dying every single day and you know the media is just always about us look at us look at us what can we buy what can we consume mm-hmm. you know it's not thinking about the real world problems what's actually happening oh the price of pork has gone up by two dollars extra Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, people don't even have water <laughs> yeah yeah mm. perspective boys mm. go to uh g's favorite quote this is oh, the, yeah. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. Bye. Henry Ford. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Henry. <laughs> yeah, that's a ripper. I think it's going back to like the bias stuff, like with the ego. If you think you can do it, you've got to find ways to make it a reality. If you think you can't do something, you're just going to close off everything. You're going to bring up your ego shield and you're just going to be, you know, you're not going to be open to positivity and doing it mm. you know you're just going to be closed off in a negative person yeah and you just it's just going to lead to failure i think this one also goes back to really identifying highlighting that you are in control mm. like whatever decisions you end up making it's all because of you mm. indirectly or directly yeah the tough thing with this as well is like going to the next level where it turns into like self-awareness where some people think that they can do anything just because they believe they can do anything. And like, it comes down to like our basketball analogy as well. You know, like if you're three foot tall, you're not going to be able to compete in the NBA. If LeBron James is going to kick you off the court. Accidentally. Just, <laughs> just thinking, how would that actually work? Like, would someone just like pick you up you throw the basketball, you just randomly chuck it, you chuck this fella as well. <laughs> he has to grab it mid-air and then just tap it in. <laughs> well, maybe that's a strategy, so maybe I'm wrong. But. Imagine defending that. <laughs> or, yeah. or, 
Would, let's, let's say so you ha- just catch the guy midair because he weighs him. four kilos. <laughs> no, what about if yeah. ha- Hasbullah is on LeBron's team, right? <laughs> Would Hasbullah just like climb on LeBron's back, dude? <laughs> because like, how how do you foul him? You can't yeah. foul him. I you, promise you, can't you, get the ball. Useless. Someone would accidentally block Hasbullah thinking he was the ball. <laughs> If Hasbullah went to jump, boom, see your son. Yeah. Dude, and it's easy for him to like run in between people's legs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's no, not an advantage. Now that we think about it. <laughs> He's not an advantage. Now that we think about it. <laughs> Space Jam, right? What's, um, I'm thinking of ways like people can uh, act- actively test this principle, whether you think you can or you think you can't. I think maybe a very simple one is obviously like challenging yourself physically. Yeah. It's like back to our 10K example. Everyone hear that and be like, ah, I can't run 10K. It's not me. I can't do it. It's not possible. Never going to happen. The minute you start believing she's easy and you can. Yeah. She will be easier. Somehow it just gets done. Yeah. You figure like, out a way. Yeah. You're like, oh my days, that was easy. And running a 10K is way easier than running a business. Oh, yeah. Because it'll be over in an hour. <laughs> Just by a little bit. <laughs> I yeah. like Gary V's um, take on this where he's like, if someone in the world looks like you and has done something, you can do it too. Yeah. 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 That's Absolutely. the main thing yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah. Take extreme ownership. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe one more cool. thing is like, yep. in terms of that uh, quote, sometimes a good uh, filter is like, just trust your gut. You know, trust your gut. Your guard's probably normally onto something, you know, a lot of the time. Sometimes you can overthink it. Um, but then another thing that can go hand in hand with the gut, which I personally use is I like to try to study so much when I'm about to part ways with my capital. And then when I think I know all the answers, I want to st- have that same state of mind for three months. So I sleep on it for three months and my gut is still saying, fuck yes, do this thing for three months. If I've got those two things, knowledge and gut, then I'll take the action. Because mm. so many times one of them has been off and it always, for me personally, has led to failure. Mm. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Mm. And if you're going off your gut and you're always wrong, you need to start taking probiotics, guys. <laughs> yeah. You get your gut health. Mm. I'm being dead serious. Your oh, gut yeah. health is important. Your gut is like your second brain, so start taking those probiotics. Yeah. I'm being dead serious. I no, don't know you're right, you but you meant it as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I'm being serious. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's funny how you said it. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe another thing is like, if you want to go to start like a company or something, you don't want to be known as the guy that always comes up with an idea, tells the whole entire world, and then he didn't yeah. think it through in the next week. He's just like, you ask him, how's your business going? And you're like, oh, mate, I'm onto something else now. Like, so constantly switching. Constantly switching. Yeah. yeah. It just means like, to be successful in business, you've got to be like a deep thinker. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Comes back to our podcast on how to think. Yeah. yeah. So go watch that one. And then it, it relates back to the harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. The stronger your reputation, the luckier you will be. If you keep ruining your reputation, saying, I'm going to start this company and they're not doing it, starting another company and they're not doing it, starting another company and not doing it, then when you go to start another company, no one's going to believe you. So you're not going to be able to get any people to follow you and work for you in a startup. No one's going to invest in you as an investor because you got no, you got nothing there, nothing substantial. Yeah, that point's really taken out of context because everyone's like, "Oh, failure, failure leads to success," and then people think 
um, that people haven't done like enough deep thinking on this. Yeah. Whereas like they failed for a reason. Mm. There's a reason why they failed and there's no, why do you want to fail? Like, why do you want to seek failure? Mm. Don't, mm. don't seek failure. Yeah. yeah, it's a part of essentialism is in in the book. Essentialism is like not all failures are the same, and not all mistakes are the same. Some can you learn? Well, let's say mistakes are the ones you learn from; those are the good ones. Failures are the ones you just fucked up and you can't fix, you can't learn anything from. Yeah. It was just a waste of time and a waste of energy and capital. Yeah, yeah. the only yeah. thing it'll do is just bring down your morale. Yeah, and it'll it'll make you even more um, negative for the next thing. I know someone actually that um talking about this a real life world example. So you you always it's you know you want to think about what is the consequence of the failure, and there's different types of failure, and on the end is ultimate failure where you just wiped clean mm-hmm. and you got to start from nothing again. You can argue, well, I got knowledge now, but money is worth something too because you need the combination of knowledge and capital. If you wipe clean on your capital, it could really ruin your whole life. And so I saw these uh, a, a very sweet couple. They have the, the the Australian dream story, and they came over from Vietnam, you know, and they wanted to start a very small fast food franchise. They worked in that area, like, but they didn't work in that franchise, and they built up five hundred thousand dollars. They're age forty. They invested the full five hundred thousand dollars right after COVID, right where COVID had already hit, you're already seeing like how it is affecting business. They still decided to take action and they invested every dollar. And now supposedly, I'm pretty sure that the offers that they're getting for that business is only $100,000. Oh my days. So they've got 400 grand wiped clean in their 40s. You need that money to work, man. You need it. Don't take risks that big unless you really, really know. And like, you know, something they could have just done is like, if they're really that smart, they could have studied how to raise capital, get investors capital in. And that would have been great as well because you could use their money. But I would think that the investors would have been so smart to say, hey, I'm not giving you money because of this reason, this reason, this reason, and this reason. Mm. And then you see all the flaws mm. and you find out what you don't know. And you're like, oh shit, this is a bad idea. I'm not going to put $500,000 <laughs> into a business. Yeah. In engineering, we have this thing Damn. where it's like whenever you're designing a new concept and you want to see if it's like valid, mm. it's, it's always like an experiment, right? You always have to get a peer review. Mm. Yeah. So you have to get feedback. That's what it means. Mm. Hey, this is my idea. I want to present it to you guys. What do you guys think? Mm. Is this valid? Yeah. If it is valid, let's go into like prototyping. If it's not valid, let's go back to the drawing board. Yeah, what's scary about that, and it's such a good point, what's scary about that though is the people around them at the time, they're probably not of a class where they can actually give proper feedback. So the people True. you're getting feedback from need to be of a higher class to be able to actually, mm. you know, help through the decision-making. Like if you're going to, if you're that couple and you're going to someone in, the, in a similar scenario, they're going to motivate you to continue to make that decision. Mm. They're not going to give you any kind of feedback that's going to yeah. challenge your idea. Yeah, yeah, they just want they just want to say what you want to hear. Yeah, they just yeah. want to be like, "Good job, well done, yeah, yeah." yeah. You know? yeah. But and unfortunately, if they just invested that capital all the way through, god damn, man. That's yeah. how we say you you always need a Charlie Munger in your group. Mm. Mm. Charlie Munger is always a, that type of person who will always give the opposite point on purpose 
mm. to test you if you actually thought everything through. Yeah, he's Warren Buffett's partner, right? Yep, yep. So, so every decision Warren Buffett makes, mm. and he's one of he's the greatest investor of our time. Mm. His best friend Charlie Munger always says no. Charlie Munger says no to 90, 95% of things mm. that Warren Buffett wants to do. Warren Buffett only executes on the 5% and he gets it right. That's so smart. Yeah. And in terms of like what you're saying about the peer reviewed stuff, which is very important. But the other thing is, um, to you know how we're saying to know that you don't know that is true wisdom, but to know that that person doesn't know that is even deeper wisdom. Mm. <laughs> and it's so hard to get that next level. Mm. So I was yeah. like, that was like the problem when I'm with my previous, like my old friend group, mm. like we're, we're, we're in the similar mindset back then and we're stupid and, you know, to each other, we'd be like, oh yeah, man, you want to chase that business? Go do it, man. But you come around like a higher class people yeah, and immediately not out of hate, out of the exact same love, you know, you were chasing music. It was like, Hey, let's be self-aware of that a music thing. Can you become Beyonce? Yeah. I don't want to become a woman, but <laughs> I get your point. I get your point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey man, but you know, you got the island boys. You know, that's my fault. <laughs> yeah. The island boys can make up and she could have made it. That is my fault for picking <laughs> a woman. I probably should have allowed less yeah. that was a fuckery. Joke. But <laughs> I was joking. I know. Yeah, but I think the point there is um important for people to realise. Yeah, where proper friend groups mm. and those important people in your life, but like, yeah, it's it's, it's not their fault because they obviously do, haven't done the research or mm. studies. They kind of just want to um, give me advice so they can stop the conversation. Mm. I guess. Yeah, true. And I think on that point, let's say you have a friends group and you are an entrepreneur. Maybe your friends group isn't the best place to get a peer review from. <laughs> Maybe you need to get a peer review from like-minded people mm. that yeah. are doing something similar. Yeah. So, or even people that that are, that are further in he, ahead, um, in what you in yeah, what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's why I was so grateful for you boys and yeah. especially Dylan as well. Yeah. That's why I seeked out because Dylan's way older and he had a ton of experience. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's why I kept kept coming back to hardcore. I'm like, dude, I need to learn more about what you boys are doing and yeah. you know I need to listen to what you boys are saying and actually apply it. Yeah, another example as well. Like I was helping my mate. Like I wanted to help him invest and you know so I can get his capital working for him. So he doesn't have to be so stressed about his job and all of that stuff. And I walked him through the whole thing for a couple of hours, just all the basics. And then he's like, oh man, I loved it. I, but I just want to run it by my uh, family friend who's a full-time investor as well. Uh, like a, a professional investor. Sorry, not a full-time investor, a professional investor. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's have a chat. It's a family friend. So I'm just thinking, all right, odds are he's not a professional investor. But given the... Yeah, if, yeah. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Give him the benefit of the doubt. He comes in, I do the exact same talk, which is the basics, right? I'm teaching him stuff. Yeah, that's a red flag. You know? Mm. And it's nothing wrong with, everybody has to start from somewhere, but to start calling yourself a professional investor, giving the family advice on investing, and you don't know where you stand in the hierarchy, you don't know what you don't know, mate, come on. Like, you've got to have that responsibility. Did Did he have like a... Was he running anything or was it, nah. did, was it just investing for yeah, himself? He wasn't, yeah, he was investing for himself. Bull market was hot, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, he wasn't full-time investing. And how yeah. long had he been? Oh, he's probably been in it for like two years. 
the, the average stat is most people they take right. seven years to find a profitable strategy but you're dedicated on just becoming an investor yeah dude, that's not pro- that's not professional <laughs> and, and this is a thing that's happening to a lot of um you know people we know is like everybody wants to help your friends and family but you got to know actually it's not the right time to help you got to know what you don't know you know you, you don't know it it's better to not help just yet tell them to save their money and don't spend it on stupid shit but don't give them investment advice yeah. unless you truly, truly, truly know. Dude, I've, really been in, I've been investing for f- five years, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't even think I'm near to professional. <laughs> like I'm a decent investor, but I'm not professional or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I've started talking to mum and dad like in the last, what, year? Mm-hmm. Year? Give or take. And like actually like completely confident with every word that I say to them. It's like, mm-hmm. yes. And they, they don't know anything. But to really harp on what Dylan's saying is like the responsibility of their finances and at their age, their entire lives, the way that they live their life, it's serious. It's really, really important. It's something that people won't hold weight to. They'll just be like, because they, they're not in the same position or something. Mm. Like you see a, a younger person maybe giving advice to their parents because they didn't have the same situation or mm. anything like that. And the matter of the fact is like they can't, play the same game that you're playing mm. because yeah. <laughs> like they blow up. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. Mm. So and you've got to like, very difficult. You're going to naturally be more defensive with your parents versus us. We have more time mm. to compound our money. So we can be a little bit more offensive. Yeah. You just have to understand the whole picture. Yeah. And you have to, yeah. or as much, <laughs> that's mm. ridiculous, but as much of the picture as possible to be able to try your best to give, you know, uh, kind of your experience to them to mm. see what they would like yeah. to kind of do and where they want to live. And a lot of times if you're the first person in your family to get started on this journey, um, there's a lot of character development work that even your mm. parents will need to do. Mm. You know, so it's about teaching them all of those types of stuff as well. And yeah, it's yeah, a journey. so much to consider it. when you're helping your parents out, man. Like if something, and especially at their age, if something, if you give them bad advice, and they take action on that, and it, mm. and it like, you know, fucks them up. Mm. That's on you, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. on, that's on me. If I if I give my parents bad advice, that's on me. So you got to really think about like mm. what you tell the parents. Yeah. And if you lose your family money, you got to pay it back, man. Yeah. You oh, yeah. That. yeah. One thing we talk about that a lot of people don't is like, if you were raised in the normal environment of two parents and they paid for everything you had. Works out to be like a million dollars, not adjusted inflation, uh, at the age of eighteen that your parents have spent on you to raise you. You owe your parents a million dollars immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's just break even. <laughs> you owe your parents a lot of shit, man. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, next one. Um, next quote is by Gary Keller, who wrote a book called The One Thing. Mm. this quote is derived from that it is called what is my one thing yeah yeah so this is relating back to um yeah that book and just 80 20 principle analysis so what is the 20 percent of things that can give you 80 percent of the results so these are tasks that give you like those big results that just add to your bottom line that really move you ahead in life but also gary keller he talks about finding that one percenter that will give you like 95 percent of the results like that one key thing and don't forget about it because especially with me, like 
um, you know, coming from Nando's and stuff, I just wanted to do whatever task came to me. And I had to realize tasks actually have a hierarchy. They have an importance. Which task is actually important? Some tasks are time-based tasks, which are important to do today. Some tasks are not that important to do today and they can put them on the back burner for a bit. And it's very hard to put them in the back burner. Um, but like I literally have an Excel sheet and I have, I think, literally close to 100 tasks to do. And How long did it take for you to figure that out? Oh, to get all those hundred tasks? Yeah. Oh, it's an ongoing process. So every single day I have my own organizer and it's all ordered with mm-hmm. every single task in terms of like short-term tasks, medium-term, long-term tasks and my daily tasks. And it's just constantly adding there so I can just let my brain free. So you're just like categorizing different tasks yeah, and then figuring out what's important and what's not yeah, based and, on outcome. Yeah, order yeah. them all. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I think I've had something yeah. similar as well. Yeah. Pump them out, boys. But yeah, like always just ask yourself, what is the one thing that's actually really going to add to the bottom line, really get to where I need to go? Not just do whatever first comes to your mind because it's probably not that important. Mm. And a lot of the time, your one thing, what they talk about in the book is you probably don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know what. For us boys, our one thing's our tax boys. Oh, don't. I knew coming, say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Stop talking, son. That's been on my to-do list for so long. I'm just I don't know what you guys told me. I've already done my tax. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you look after the distance one more time? <laughs> I've done my one thing, boys. <laughs> yeah. Funny. All right, boys. Next All right. Uh, the next is... Very simple one. It is think big. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Think yeah. big. Just, yeah. From that, yeah, the book, The Magic of Thinking Big. Um, yeah, it's just like expand your mind. Just think huge because what you're going to realize, the more knowledge you get in, the you start to realize you're actually thinking really small. <laughs> <laughs> like we just talked about $10,000, man, can turn into $91 million. 91 million is small because all it is is $10,000 <laughs> now money. It will turn into 91 million future money. Yeah. yeah. So if you can't make $100 million, it's just like, hey, she's like, what? 12 grand. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like First 12, of just putting $12,000 yeah, in. 12 grand turns into 100 mil. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, yeah, the more knowledge you get, you have the ability to think bigger and bigger and bigger and just always think big because it, it comes back to that saying, like you want to shoot for the moon because if you miss the moon, you're going to end amongst the stars. It's true. Like you want to think big because our, our brains naturally, um, mine personally, whatever I set my goal to be, I would always like end a little bit lower than that. So, you know, like... um you know, if you if you wanted to to run a certain amount, you know, set it out for forty two, it's pretty hard to hit forty two on your first go, forty two kilometer run. So you might hit thirty k, but how good is thirty k <laughs> compared to just running five k around the block? Mm, you know, yeah. I, when you you know, in those days, you're just like, hey boys. On a normal day, you're like, I'm gonna run six k. The fifth k, it's getting hard. But if you sell your brain, I'm gonna run forty two k. The fifth K is the easiest thing ever. Oh, the well, fifth K absolutely. does yeah. Absolutely. Dude. You're just set, setting it out that you're going to do something big. You skip all those little ones. That's true. So, And then what happens every single time we train someone, hey, we're going for a 10K. Why is it always around the 70 to 80% mark? Everyone's struggling. 
Yeah. If we go 9K, it's 70, around 70% of the 9K. No matter what number we use, it's always around the 70%, everybody really hits the wall. Yeah, it's just all psychological, Zan. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's crazy it's, how the brain works, huh? Yeah, so weird, yeah. I, I know this is weird, but you have to just convince yourself that that thing is easy as shit. Mm. Yeah. Just convince yourself. Like, it doesn't even have to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And with very, like, let's add, just a, add some self-awareness to it, right? But with things that are probably like achievable, like a marathon, like a human being can do that. It doesn't take talent or anything like that. You can run a marathon. Just convince yourself that shit's easy. Mm. I, I, like, this is the most ridiculous thing to say because like, well, how do you convince yourself? I don't know. Just in the brain, <laughs> just convince your damn self that like, yeah, marathon's easy. It's like, yep, yep, it's easy. No, people have done it. It's easy. I'm going to get it done. Well, prescribed get it done. by the doctor. You just go. <laughs> I don't know. She's not the best. I think that comes back to the knowledge, right? So if you can start researching ways to like how you can run more or run faster, I think you or even running motivation. You are right. But that half marathon I did, the very early one, Mm. I just no, she's easy, boys. Mm. A half marathon's a piece of piss. She's easy, dude. Everyone does it. It's normal. (laughs) You just go and do it. What's what's that word for like confidence? But it's like your own confidence. What's that word? self-confidence it's something like that it's like just imagine self-confidence like what is your self-confidence it's like an actual word for it but it's it's like you saying like as an example like just say me i dylan weston am a person that does x that's me and i will do x every time you do x your self-confidence will go up you know it's like your soul will rise in value and then you say i dylan weston will do this and you cannot lie to your soul oh, you yeah. have to do it and then when you go out to do the marrow or do whatever you're like i dylan weston have done that x that many times at that standard that many times so i'm just going to do it but if you don't have all of that data in your soul then it's really hard to go out and do these big things mm-hmm. so it's, it's about you know building your own internal dialogue and if yeah. you can lie to yourself then you need to fix that shit first. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to lie to yourself. Like you yourself, no. Don't allow yourself to justify mm. easy things and make them bigger than they were. Yeah. And with thinking big, like you have to obviously aim higher because chances are you pr- you most likely on your first shot will not get there. Yeah. Um, but you'll be like, you know, among the stars, right? Yeah. And I think it's really important to constantly um, build on that. As in, like, let's say you're aiming for a 42-kilometer run. I did 30 kilometers, right? So now in my head, every time I'm running, I'm like, if I'm feeling very tired, I'm like, I've already ran 30 kilometers. This is easy for me. Resets right? everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also important for me to break that 30 kilometers mm-hmm. so that I'm now capable of more than 30 kilometers. So next time I'm like, 30 kilometers, that's easy. Mm-hmm. I've already done 30 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Right. So like for me, the next goal is probably like 60 kilometers. Yeah. Right. So when I eventually maybe fall short of 60, I might hit 50. Yeah. And then if I try to do a 30 kilometer, I'm like, I've already done 50. Yeah. 30 kilometers. That's nothing. So you, you're constantly, you should be breaking your records mm. constantly. Yeah. Because then you just keep getting better and better and better. And it's good to get those physical wins in. Like, you know, we, we always do it. Like, especially uh, you and me, G, we, we did it where, we said out, hey, like, how much have you ever ridden a bike before? How far have you ridden your bike? Like, when you're just starting the journey. 
because sometimes you can feel like you're not progressing like you're reading books and all that stuff but you can't see any difference so like we we so you said like i don't know 10 20k or something was like your your most you've ever ridden your bike i'm like all right let's make the goal we're going to pump out 100k on these really average bikes these really scorcher kmart bikes <laughs> and bad. we're going to do it on the hottest day like it needs to be around 40 degree heat and we waited for it and it was hard building it up but then eventually you know we worked through it over the course of like a year and then we hit the 100k and then we now we know that's, that's there for the soul it's there forever now mm. and like we, we did that yeah. so that's your standard now it's yeah. not like you go out and do 100 kilometers every time but if you're going to challenge yourself on the bike mm. it has to be considerably mm. you know different to yeah. that that's such yeah. a good point like if there's like one day where it, where it's like if i reckon if i didn't do that like now i can easily probably do 30k or something mm. Like if, if 30k all the time, if you boys ask me, oh, I'll run 30k. Oh, run. sorry, bikey. Oh, bike, yeah. Now, if you boys ask me, oh, let's go for a 60k bikey, I'm like, bro, I've done 100k. Yeah. Like, I can do a 60k. Yeah. 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 60k is easy, boys. Yeah. But also, what, um, I think what I was saying before as well, like, I think watching people, like, fuck, uh, like running, um, oh, I agree with you, like 100k or like running, mm. doing triathlons. That like motivates you. It's like, dude, someone can do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I I also have legs. I can run. I can probably do that as well. Yeah. Like there's this guy we're watching, Bowie Miles, and he ran like 600k bro, <laughs> <laughs> through the Alps. Good old Bowie Miles. I actually yeah. think it was 650 miles. Six, was it? The trial of was it 650 miles? Is that's what we just because the title was 650 miles. The trial by. I don't know. Um, yeah, but either way, it's massive. Yeah. Maybe, it's when you said that, amount. made me think of it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like when you when you when you're running, you think of that, and you're like that. You can tap into that energy. Mm, mm. Yeah, 100%. maybe one uh, we should watch is oh, we watched it is uh, the Bear Grylls, the world's toughest race. Oh yeah, and they they like literally, it's all throughout Fiji, and there's people that are elderly, they're like mm. seventy, mm. they look wow. fragile. And they're going for like six days straight throughout Fiji. Like they're in a kayak for like a yeah. day going to like an island and then back, you know, like that's intense. And then when they had to do like the bike ride up the mountain, it was yeah. so wet that they had to carry the bikes. So it doesn't oh, even wow. help you. <laughs> These yeah. old people and they're still finishing it. I think they made it to like, I think they actually got cut off on the time limit, but they made it to like the fifth day. That's amazing. And seeing them struggle and seeing them like, push through that struggle or like yeah. figuring out ways how to go faster it's like dude like you you tap into that energy when you go for like a 10k run or something yeah before we did the marathon i actually watched this guy um who was the biggest loser contestant he didn't win or anything he still had he was still like really big guy mm. but he completed an iron man triathlon mm. like 3.8 kilometer swim 180 kilometer bike and a marathon wow that's, that's a ripper Bro, I weigh 80 kilos. <laughs> you don't reckon I can go and run a marathon? Was he still big? He was huge. Really? What? Far out. I'll show you the video. He's easily, easily 130. Wow. What? Easily. Damn, we easily. Level up, boys. That's why, like, the next day, I, I guarantee I had an advantage because I'm looking at that like, dude, this guy can do a marathon? This guy can do all that? You out of your damn mind. I can do it. And maybe it's a little bit ego-driven, but shit, if that's a competition I need to get it done, I'm going to take it. <laughs> that's intense boys alright all right. 
Thanks, Mark. Take time to pause and reflect. <laughs> I like what you did there. So you like that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping that worked. Yeah. So this was just like my own little reminder that sometimes, yeah, you're asking two questions back. What is my one thing? And you're trying to think in terms of strategy and trying to find what works. But sometimes you actually need to take more time mm. and wait it out and reflect more deeper and then see, oh shit, I'm actually on the wrong path. I'm on a decent path, but she's not the most optimal path. Mm. I need to start course correcting now before it comes too late. So like take that time to just really evaluate yourself. Are you actually doing what you actually want to do? Mm. And will this actually lead to where you want to be? You know? So take that time. It's it's a very good use of time to pause and reflect. Is that daily or weekly or do you take like... Uh, I think it's yeah, more of a longer thing for me at the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, like once a week or once a month. Yeah. Speaking on that, um, on that thing you just said where if you think you're... Well, you, you're reflecting on your strategies for your one thing, mm. but then you realize, hey, this might not be the right path. Mm. I need to pivot onto yeah. a different path how much knowledge do you think a person would need for them to make that decision correct yeah it's a good mm, question it's a good they're question. gonna need that they're gonna need a lot of foundation in 100 yeah that's a really good question yeah, yeah. but you should that. still ask it to you every single month because no matter your knowledge level you're always going to figure out you're going to be course correcting every single month mm. but you got to then also have the self-awareness to understand that your reflection just ain't that great I think maybe the simpler version of that can be like, am I acting like an ex- extraordinary person? It was like, are you acting in a way that's like the person in 10 years, the person you want to be is acting in the correct way. Like, are you on that right path? Mm. You know, like are, I want to be a business person. Okay. Are you going out and drinking with your friends every weekend? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's, you know, you're not on the right path there. The course is, needs to be corrected. Mm. So definitely there may be like some simpler ways to especially do it in the beginning yeah. i think and i think if sense. you are doing something really wrong like you'd know as well 100 yeah. so i guess that reflection will be a good time to yeah. think so like what like can i do instead based on what you've already done to see if you're on the right path yeah and then i think the overarching thing is you have to have your goal so obviously clear and if you're not working towards your goal mm. That means you might have to consider pivoting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not so clear because it, sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, I want to be this specifically or do that specifically. But like, if you just want to be like, you have an idea of something, you want to be something different or you want a different life. Like you don't have to know you like eventually you do, but you don't have to know in the beginning you want to do this specific thing. Mm. But Maybe I just want more for myself and what kind of person acts, like how does a person act that wants more for themselves? Like it's not the best driver and it's not as you know competent as like what you're talking about, 100%. I think in the beginning, like a roundabout is almost enough. Do you guys agree or disagree? I think we're talking about two slightly different things. Yeah. Okay. So I think you're talking about like right at the beginning of the journey. To like make sure that you're pausing, reflecting, you're on roughly the right path because you can't actually see the path. Yep. No one can without that knowledge. Yep. But then, which is true, so you can interpret it two ways. But then there's also like where we are now, where we like, you can think about like, 
am I actually on the right path? You're hundred percent right. I was talking about the people in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really good because that yeah that yeah that will yeah help those yeah. those yeah. guys, and yeah like that's how we evolve over time. But like say something with us, I always like to think outside the box. Like we really have like these brain experiments. Like just say about our, our if if revenue is a problem, maybe do we scrap the whole entire podcast? Mm. We use all of that time because it takes up a lot of our time, and then we could just invest that into having a very good trading video course. And then we could do standard Instagram marketing and then we could flood it with ads and flood it with Inst- Instagram influencers and you go that route and then you got you fix your cash problems pretty damn quick. Like this is like, it's, it's just an example, but it's just like that type of strategy. You know, are we actually doing the right thing? And then you start to think of all of these different strategies and then you start crossing them off. Like the, obviously the one we just said, it's silly because it's going to hurt our long-term brand. Mm. You know, this is going to build our long-term brand. So it's more important that we got this massive course out. So then if someone wants to come to us and we can now say, hey, we've got a free present for you. Here's some free value. This is what Hardcore Head Start gave you. We actually gave them something, not just took something from them. So this will... I think my question was more towards, you made that decision after reflecting on those different scenarios, doing the Mm. game theory. Yeah. You're already like nine years in the game. Mm. So you've already got a lot of thinking, a lot of knowledge in. Yeah. Would you have made be able to make that same decision four or five years ago? Oh no, and that yeah, that's where yeah, the self awareness would kick in to say to yourself, This is the best decision I can make in the moment, but I'm aware of where I sit in the hierarchy and I know my decision is not optimal. So like I, even now I know my my brain is not optimal. None it's of us is it's relative, no. right? Yeah. Mm. Like how could it be optimized to the best of your ability if you're going to continue to grow yeah. <laughs> i think like so so the point is you are never going to be right 100 mm. percent of the time yeah. you will have to evolve you will mm. have to adapt mm. yeah like and even in like the book the one thing it really triggered the thought of maybe the best thing to do is not a little bit every day it's literally to go on seasons where we could just say hey for the next three months we're going to write a hardcore head start book and pump that book out. Now we've got an asset. The next three months, we're going to pump out a proper course. Mm. We've got that course. And you do nothing but that one thing. And then the next three months after that, you do this. And then after a year, you've got four heavy tangibles, which normally takes a person literally 20 years to make four tangibles. So it's just like, yeah, really reflecting and thinking like, shit. Like thinking about all the different possibilities, it can it can be a bit of a mind fuck, but have have the uh, the investor's mindset to mm. think where you're always wrong. Yeah, how to fix that shit and allow yourself to actually fix it. Don't have your little sunk cost bias. Mm. Yeah, and stick with you know that mm. incorrect path. Yeah, allow yourself to correct it. Yeah, but for for the average person, yeah, Doc's one is more along the lines it's good we get um we get both sides of the, the yeah. spectrum there which is valuable for everyone mm. it's awesome All right. this right. could be the hardest hitting mm. and the most emotional what do I need to do to die complete so yeah this is this is one of the best and I love to hit it leave it at the end it's like it's a great question to ask because it really makes you 
it goes hand in hand with the pausing and reflecting. You, you're going to die, most likely. Most likely. Most likely. <laughs> most likely you're going to die. <laughs> in what scenario they're not going to die? Yeah. <laughs> well, I did hear this theory. Go on. Go uh, on. <laughs> well, there's a few, few theories. Okay. You can have all the standard religious theories. Like, so oh, then you, right. you're not dying in that sense. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Other yeah. theories you could say about the metaverse stuff, like you would eventually live in the metaverse and you'll upload your consciousness and mm. there's the, all of that stuff. Mm. I heard a new theory um, recently where um, it's like, we're going to hit a potentially, we're going to hit an inflection point. Like people always think in terms of like health and science that one day there's going to be a pill that allows us to live forever. And people are starting to, have the conversation that that's never going to exist but it's the accumulation of little gains that will actually allow you to potentially live forever so like it's just saying 30 years time from now the rate of innovation in the health space will be so fast especially because it's going to be ran a lot by potentially artificial intelligence who's way smarter than humans that the artificial intelligence will be working so quickly that each year you would age by one year. So let's just say us, we would be, I don't know, 81 or whatever. But then they'll find a breakthrough that allows you to live for two years. Like a new supplement or a new chemical or a new something. And now you've actually gone back negative one year. So you've actually gained back a year. Then in those two years, oh, in the next year, you would age one more year. You're back at like 80. But then there'll be a new breakthrough that allows you to live for another two years. So you've actually gained an extra positive amount. So every year they're finding a way to get you an extra two years. So you could technically live forever. Yeah. I wonder how that would look. Yeah. Like, would you just be like a withered skeleton at the time <laughs> or would you actually be like youthful yeah. and great, you know, strong? Yeah. But for me, like I thought about all of these different possibilities. I really researched all of this stuff and it's, um, it's pretty crazy when you start to look into artificial intelligence and how it truly works and um, how time is relative because artificial intelligence, it's just like, you know, you can fast forward this stuff. Like, you know, when you're simulating something, it can simulate it faster than doing the real life experiment. Like, you know, like if you're simulating to land something on Mars, you it's better to not send something to Mars and try and land the thing because then you only got one data point. It's going to blow the fuck up. <laughs> you may as well do it in a computer <laughs> tens of thousands of times every day to mm -hmm. see what actually works. Like you can speed up time. But yeah, like I thought about all this crazy stuff and then I'm just like, dude, forget all of it. I'm just going to pretend I'm going to die at around 100. Potentially 120. I think I'm going to die around 120 actually. Aim for the moon. Yeah. Hit the stars. Yeah, go for about 120. I'm going to be happy with that. And now... I'm going to live my life like I'm dying at 120. So what do I do? Because if you start saying, oh, I'm going to live forever, you lose the sense of urgency and then you mm. don't do anything in your life. You know, I actually, like I say it all the time, like I actually want to die because I think that's the thing of the beauty of life. 100%. You know, because otherwise you're going to take this whole thing for granted. And like we are saying before, the price, you know, of life is your death. You've got to pay for your life. Um, otherwise, yeah, whatever you get given for free, you don't take it, you know, you take it for granted. So I want to make my moves in my life that I will be healthy until 80 
So I think science will get us to 80. So our health span will be to, to 80. Then we're going to start deteriorating at 120. I'm going to die. But the key thing there is I'm going to be healthy until I'm 80. Mm -hmm. so that's why we need to actually start to think more long-term than what we're currently thinking today. Because 50 isn't old anymore. 50 is the new 30. Mm -hmm. You know, the new 50 is 80. The, the, the best business people like in the world like, mm. start business at 50. Mm. And are ridiculously successful and they're able to operate at that ridiculous rate mm. at 50. Joe Rogan speaks so so well about this topic. He's mm. like, when he was growing up, every fifty year old he saw was like, "You're done. You're washed. <laughs> you're old." Now he's fifty. And he's like, "I've never felt better." <laughs> he literally hasn't felt better. Yeah, Gary Vee says it all the time. Yeah, if twenty four year olds know how knew how good forty five mm. feels, yeah, they'd yeah. have a little bit more patience. Yeah. yeah, he feels like he's the same damn age. Yeah. It, it, remember, like when we were talking about. Um, I made the remark like when we we're watching Mike Tyson fight, like, I wish I looked like that when I'm 50. We had a joke like, oh, but you don't look like that now. It's like, but that's how I actually think. Yeah. I will improve yeah. as I go to 50. Yeah. I will be my peak like Joe Rogan at 50. I've been sacrificing my health, you know? So I'm at a low point in my health right now. But by then, you know, when the tides turn, I've got all the capital and it's all working for You're me. You're shredded. Be shredded like Mikey Tyson. <laughs> knocking out. Maybe on YouTube. Knocking out, That's what we're pivoting to. Yes. <laughs> if Dylan pivots to YouTube boxer, yeah. oh, yes. that's actually what I need in my life. That would be hilarious. Uh, YouTube basketballer. This one's going to be like basketball tournaments. Tune into our 2050 podcast. Dude, that's Dude like yeah. three years into your basketball career, we're going to have to sit you down and be like, boys. Self-awareness. <laughs> Self-awareness. I think as well, this quote kind of slightly relates to what it is you need to get done in your life to be able to die complete. Like what are the things that will help you feel fulfilled? Yeah. Um, um, we've spoken about it a few times this podcast and yeah. over the episodes a few times as well where it's like a, a big thing for me is, you know, getting that, donating that $1 billion. Yeah for this company because that's actual lives saved and helping as many people as possible kind of get as much happiness as possible because mm. as Dylan said, you know, yeah. all debts must be paid. We do have to die. And that's the beauty in it. And people don't realize that regardless of their age, which means they take it for granted and don't get to experience a lot of life. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I think mm. that is... For me, that's terrifying to see other people living in that certain way. And if it's one, two, three, four, there's no number for me. But if there's, if there's, if there's a few people I can help just mm. not in like some crazy way of save their life, but yeah. help them live a better life, mm. then I think I'll be able to die with some sort of fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. That's it, man. And I think the other thing as well is like, just like we spoke about some crazy things just before and we didn't go into it deeply because it'll go especially artificial stuff and all that stuff about life and all it's of that five hour podcast yeah, it'll go yeah. for way too long and you might have differing opinions which is great because we're not trying to create clones we're trying to create sophisticated thinkers that can think for themselves you're not supposed to agree with us on everything you shouldn't you boys don't even agree with everything i say you know 
None of us agree with everything we say. Joe Rogan, I only agree with like probably 25% of his stuff, maybe more. It's a big number, but I love him, you know, with everybody. So probably they're not going to agree with like, it's actually impossible because you actually be, would be the exact same person, <laughs> yeah. you know? Even what? twins that had the exact same, practically the exact same life, they don't agree with everything. They fight all the time. They knock each other out, 1v1s. And I think something that we miss... <laughs> Jesus, I just skipped over that. that was <laughs> Shit. I was thinking of my next point. I miss what um, Something that we miss in probably just the environment, the world we live in at the moment is that we can still have good friendships and love each other even if we don't agree on everything 100%. Mm. Yeah. I kind of disagree with your point a little bit though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because have you seen the Allen boys? They're the exact same people. <laughs> the Island Boys. <laughs> Go on, G, give us a little bit. They're the exact same people, bro. <laughs> give us a little bit. Imagine more. them having a disagreement. <laughs> Should end the point with like the Island Boy song. <laughs> no, I want to say, I want to hear it. Yeah, sing it. No, you do it. You're better. Y'all can't sing. <laughs> I'm an Island Boy. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting to say that, weren't you? <laughs> I think you can do it properly. Well, I think on Dylan's point, I think individuality is great. We need more of that in this world. Yeah. Don't just be a copy of someone. Yeah. And yeah, coming back to like our thoughts and reflecting, we are saying our, our pitch to every, the audience is we're saying this is the pretty good shit, but it's not the best shit. Yeah. Everything that we say is not the best. We, we don't know what the best is, but we know it leads to some pretty good success. Yeah, you know, some guaranteed success. Yeah, yeah. All right, boys. Um, the last two podcasts have been a bit of emotional roller coasters. I reckon mm-hmm. there've been some deep topics, some great points, and I'm hoping the audience loves them just as much as we've loved talking about them. Shall we wrap up? Let's wrap it up, son. Keep going, man. I'm oh, killing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please help us with the algorithm because we want to make sure as many people see this as possible. So click the like button, subscribe, click that notification bell so that you know when we post. And on a final note, back her up. Back her up. Back her up. Pack her up, sons. Thank you for listening.